This is Fireground Action Photography, episode 33 for Easter Sunday, April 12th, 2009. On this episode, we'll introduce you to veteran fire, aviation, and aerospace photographer, Bill Hartenstein. Hey everybody and welcome back to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling and I'm returning once again as your host. Joining me in base camp today, as always, is a legendary Southern California photographer, Ross A. Benson. Welcome back, sir. Craig, how are you? What are you wearing this bunny outfit for? It's Easter. It's Easter. I have jelly beans. Oh. You hear the jelly beans? I was wondering why you had bu- a bunny outfit I'm eating on. all the red ones because it's a fire show. How are you? What's new, Craig? How and are now you? I got a jelly. Why did I eat a jelly bean? I have to talk for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, man. Hey. And also with us uh, from um, Colorado. Castle Rock? Castle Rock, Colorado, I believe, is Timothy Tons on Skype. Hi, Tim. Hi. How are you? Doing- Greetings from Windy, Colorado. Oh, really? Howling. 35 gust 40. Ooh. Holy moly. That's kind of windy. But at least yeah. it's not snowing anymore, right? Well, it did this morning. Oh, did it really? Yes, sir. It's April for crying out loud. How <laughs> late How late uh, does the snow season go for you there? I usually figure May 15th is the end. Hey, that's a that's good day. It's r- that's birthday. Ross's birthday. <laughs> That's right, and the 15th of April is coming up in four days as we record this, so everybody get your taxes in. Everybody? Okay. <laughs> As a reminder for everybody, speaking of wins, we got a couple of news stories, some things going on. Uh, put the call out to the Twitterverse for any news stories, and they've alerted me to a couple of things that I probably should have been reading up on anyway. But uh, Arkansas um, had uh, some several tornadoes touched down. Um, in this one small town, Mena, M-E-N-A, Arkansas, it says this uh, from the Dallas Morning News, says not everybody heeded the sirens that sounded at least four times as the storms drew near. We see this with brush fires, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't need to evacuate. And uh, the tornado, as a result, killed at least three people, injured at least 30 others. Uh, initial storm surveys as of Friday showed the storm was at least an EF3. With his, which is a enhanced Fujita, right, Tim? That's correct. All right, it used to just be the Fujita. Now it's the enhanced Fujita. Um, on the scale of tornado damage, with winds at at least 136 miles per hour. Now, Tim, your your business is to monitor and forecast uh, weather. Were you monitoring this at all, or is this out of your area? That's uh, that's actually out of our our area. Where our operations are Colorado and Wyoming mainly. Okay. Um, yeah, unfortunately, a woman and a nine-week-old infant uh, were killed. Um, and even in parts of Tennessee, they had tornadoes touching down. Southwestern Kentucky, uh, people injured there. Uh, initial estimates show that more than 600 homes were damaged in the storms Thursday night. Wow. So a, a lot of uh, stuff going on there. Our thoughts go out to the uh, the victims of those tornadoes as well as the emergency workers that are taking care of them. Uh, we also have some big fires burning in Texas and Oklahoma, wildfires. We often don't think of wildfires happening any, anywhere but our little bubble here in <laughs> Southern California or the West Coast. But uh, howling winds gusting at more than 50 miles per hour grounded firefighting efforts uh, by air. This is from the Associated Press. 
Um, estimated 100, 100 homes or other structures were damaged or destroyed in northeastern Oklahoma County alone. Two small towns in Texas were devastated by the wildfires, uh, Sunset and Stoneburg. Uh, were those particular cities? Uh, they're left quote in left in a heap of debris and ashes after several dozen homes were destroyed. Uh, firefighter in Lincoln County suffered major burns when their uh, their truck got overrun by fire. That's very unfortunate to hear. Um, crews were already helping with blazes. Uh, they were being redirected uh, because, as they said, there were fires everywhere. So uh, our thoughts also go out to those guys in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, hope they stay safe out there, man. And thanks to uh, Photo Monkey and Max Timon on the Twitter for uh, sending those stories in. And uh, we'll be putting requests out that, like that a uh, little more in the future. Looking for input from the listeners and uh, contributors out there so we can talk about what you want to hear about on the show. Uh, we also have a Delicious account now that I just started up for the podcast. Delicious is a social bookmarking site. And what it is is you get your free account there. And you can submit URLs to news stories that you happen might happen to find uh, during the day. And if you think they'd be interesting or should be talked about on the podcast, you can uplink, uh, upload that URL to the, our Delicious site. So it's delicious.com slash fireground. And you can, uh, there's a couple URLs up there right now, the very stories we just talked about. So as you go through your news uh, browsers and things, you can, you can upload them to the uh, Fireground account at Delicious and... We'll, uh, we'll see if we can't talk about them on the show. So it's a good way to, to get your input and uh, also to submit news stories that you think we should be talking about. You'll put the uh, link to those, Craig, on uh, show Abs- notes and so Absolutely. Forth? Yeah, to submit, you need to join Delicious, which is another, yet another free account you can get on the Internet. Um, but to read them, you can just go to delicious.com slash fireground. That's D-E-L-I-C-I-O-U-S dot com slash fireground. So another way to uh, be involved in the show here. Um, Super great information, thank you. Yeah, the update on the Flickr discussion and critique forum we have. We have almost 700 images up there now that have been submitted by our contributors. Excellent work. Uh, we have uh, 74 contributors right now, so it's growing, and people are asking to join every day. And once you join, you can also join in that discussion group. And, uh, Tim, you're pretty active on there, and, and you're uh, equally impressed with some of the images you're seeing up there, right? Oh, these are great, great submissions, and yes, very impressive uh, body of work. Uh, it just uh, for seventy-four members, the uh, the quality is just outstanding. You know, Craig, it's great. Um, I ran into a photographer shooting around here in Burbank who did not know about the podcast. We told him about it. Uh, Ryan, I think he just put up some images yeah. and uh, starting to shoot. And he, in fact, uh, I think put up a discussion in he there. He actually sent uh, us an email, and we're going to dedicate an entire show okay. to it about, um, and we're going to try and get a good panel together. Um, and he's asking, hey, any, do you have any tips or advice to uh, a newcomer, to somebody just starting out in, in emergency services photography? Well, so we're going to set aside an entire show for that Oh, topic. great, because when I saw him out there, the first night he, he was shooting with a pop-up flash, and he was saying how lousy it works and so forth, but he didn't have a, a different strobe. And I told him you can get that little bounce reflector that you could uh mike bolton who uh, shoots one of our other listeners showed us and it just hooks on those pop-up flashes even right. out a little and he's now shooting with that and oh, i fantastic. saw some pictures from ryan yeah, i haven't actually had a chance to meet him yet but i uh, imagine at some fire ground coming up soon we'll... fire service day oh great no which is coming up i wanted to touch on that real quick fire service day is may coming 9th. up here in the uh, san fernando valley area anyway on may 9th you said Correct. Okay, and I know Ross and I will probably be doing a display at some local fire departments here 
uh, as they ask us to come by every year to display some of the photos. And maybe uh, this is a good chance for some of you out there, if you don't have any actual events going on in your community, uh, a great chance to get your foot in the door with your local fire department. You know, good time now. you got a little time, a couple weeks, Vista print. <laughs> How many cards do you and I have? Yeah. You know, for what, $19 get or some whatever, business cards you have made some up. time to get your name on a business card. Fire photographer or photographer, you know, your name. When you go to fire service day, give them to the fireman with your web page. Great way for yep. these guys. Put them to on the table, up. get some, some some of your photos printed up. Yep. But uh, go introduce yourself to your local department. Maybe they're having an open house sometime this month. And you can uh, you can decorate the place with your images or put up a display of your own. Uh, Tim, does Castle Rock do anything for uh, fire service day or uh, fire safety week or month? Or do they have any open no. houses? Uh, no, no, nothing going on this month. Well, it's time to start. Well, you remember we talked to the guys back in Boston that quite yeah. a few of them, and even I think in Wichita, they said they weren't doing it. Great way to get that. You know, it's all prevention. You know, all you got to do is save one person or people. They're always curious what firemen do. And they, they're always scared to go up to that big red truck and talk to them. This is a good time to meet you, meet you guys. can't spell prevention without PR. That's, <laughs> I just made that up. Not bad, huh? Damn it, i gotta, I got to register that. Okay. Um, we got a few more announcements that I'll save uh, till the end of the show, but I want to get right to our, our guest today. Tim has joined us, but we're going to uh, meet a photographer that uh, Ross and I have known for years and years. We've all grown gray together. And... Uh, <laughs> Your mustache is gray, Ross. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, a good friend of ours, uh, an incredibly talented photographer. We'll get into a lot more detail, but uh, we want to welcome Bill Hartenstein to the show. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. I hope, uh, I'm glad you were able to show up here. Bill Hartenstein is also known officially as Billy Blastoff. And that, that name has come from your aviation and your aerospace photography, right? Not only have you been a fire photographer for how long? How long have you been, been doing emergency services stuff? Oh, God, I haven't even looked back. Probably, what, 20 years? Oh, you're older than that. At least. <laughs> Bill I mean, I was in high school when I f- shot my first uh, 20 dog fire. years. So He'll admit that yeah. he did go to Burbank High. I went to Burbank High. So he's a High. local. He's a local guy and uh, been known around Burbank Fire Stations for years and years. Has a lot of good friends in the Burbank Fire Department. They've seen his work for many years. Now, we'll get into mm-hmm. the fire photography, too, but... Did it start with the aviation and the aerospace interest, or did it start with the fire photography? Because you're very heavily involved in both. Well, I think it was both, but the aviation scene, I grew up about a mile from Burbank Airport. As a young kid, when I got home from school, we used to, neighbors we used to ride our bikes down to the airport and, you know, watch the airplanes all the time. And so I really wasn't into photography back then. I was probably, what, 10, 10 years old. Then so just as I got into high school, I got into right before high school, I got into photography and got my first camera. And then, you know, when they offered photography in high school as a class, you know, got into that and uh, it just took off from there. Cool. Now I know why those signs are all around the airport that say photography prohibited. They used to say that at Burbank because it was Lockheed owned the airport and they built. Yeah, because it started as a Lockheed Right. airport right right now that's something i want to ask you because you you know you're very well known on the internet and in publications for your aviation and your aerospace photography hence the name billy blastoff and we'll get into that in a minute but i was wondering if that that interest was was sparked when you were a kid with the skunk works being right here in burbank where they were made where they made the stealth fighter and the 
and all those uh, super secret aircraft. I don't think back then. I mean, I didn't know anything about Skunk Works. I was too young. I just loved flying aviation airplanes as a young kid. So I didn't know really what was going on at Lockheed, except that they built their they planes had, and they their had planes some cool flew. stuff. Right. They had some cool well, stuff. Well, we used so. to at night when the Skunk Works, they used to black out the airfield. Well, yeah, you grew up here yeah. too, oh, Ross. Yeah. So well, and, this is later and, on. Right, many yeah, years this later. Was later on. They would fly the Skunk Works out on a C-5A, and everybody would say that plane will never it get just, off the ground. Just cleared the fence, right? Oh, literally, there's a train track. Uh, Van Own runs at the end of runway... And uh, exactly, that plane would come over. You'd think you could touch the landing gears, or Yeesh. you know, just as he takes off. But, Not designed for a C five. But we loved going out there and shooting stuff. But they oh, did. They was... built. They built the stealth fighter. Did they build the SR seventy one here? I think they designed it and built part of it here, and then shipped it out to oh, okay. Tonopah or to I mean to the ranch and yeah, the non existent Lake area fifty one, which is so popular now. And, and uh, now it's so mainstream and now. And then it flew from there. They're going to have an amusement park there someday. Ferris wheels and stuff. It's going to be a whole thing, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what got you into the aerospace? Because you, you, how many sh- space shuttle launches have you covered in, in, uh, in Florida? Uh, probably 20 or so, maybe a little more That's than a lot. that. Now, I've been lucky enough to do one with you. And you and, and our pal Gene Blevins were nice enough to take me along and loan me some of your remote equipment and all that. Uh, to shoot uh, STS-117, the Atlantis launch. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to get the landing out here at Edwards because yes. they ended up landing out here. So kind of full circle. I think I, that was beginner's luck for me, right? Yeah, it's happened to me several times. I've been pretty fortunate. To, my first launch, actually. Well, back then, STS-6, that was my first launch, was actually first launch of Challenger, um, was scheduled to land at Edwards because it was the first launch and first flight of that vehicle. But I've had a couple then. The next launch I went to actually was scheduled to land in Florida, and it landed at Edwards. So it's happened quite a bit. And then the friends you have in Florida, you you'll you know say, hey, you missed uh-huh. the landing. And, but they've had plenty. But I, 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 I think I definitely lucked out. I struck. I yeah. mean, that was. Well, when we're talking, we're not talking shooting the launch from down on the alley, down three no. blocks from. No, from a Bill cruise has, ship. Bill has gotten inside. Well, Bill, yeah, of Bill, space you, you set up. Several, you're in the Kennedy Space Center. You set up several remote cameras very close to the the pad. Oh, that's me. All right, <laughs> I'm the one vibrating. <laughs> we keep hearing this phone vibrate, and I'm yelling, giving everybody the He's stink eye. me a dirty look, saying, pick your phone up. <laughs> I've tossed it across the room. But you actually go with a lot of equipment, don't you? Yes. Okay. Like uh, like five, like probably four or five remote cabinets and, and setups. And I mentioned a couple of shows ago might have been the last show about you trying to get through security with a backpack right. full of timers and and battery packs and things. Well, and- be nice to to store and I do store some equipment in Florida at a friend's place, but as far as camera, the actual camera equipment, you know, it's expensive and lenses and and we have launches here at the West Coast at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Right, you do Base. a lot of rocket launches. Right, so I do all the launches there, so it always works out seems that there'll be a launch in Florida, and then before the next launch in Florida, will be a launch in Vandenberg, so you have to bring everything back. A few times I've actually left a bunch of cameras there because the next launch was was in Florida. But the problem becomes is you do not want to check camera equipment in your check-in luggage. And the vital they, stuff, right. like your timers and, and the triggers sensors. The triggers are custom-made triggers, So and, of course, they're electronic, and they have little computer boards, and so they're delicate. 
And so you don't want to throw those around. You want those with you. Now we're going to put a put a link to your website up on the in the show notes for sure, so everybody can go check out your work. And you are working on a new website. We'll tell everybody, everybody that. But uh, uh, Bill's been running this one a while, but he's got some incredible images up there, and that's what it's really about. So you can go check those out. But what's your typical setup for a shuttle launch? Your what kind of equipment? What kind of what are you using? Canon. I'm well, all but you started now. off with Minolta. You were, you well, you were a Minolta, Minolta guy for a long and, time, right. and used film. Yeah, and uh, I just until bought, not long ago, right? Right. Well, a couple years ago. Yeah. So I'd use, I had I think Minolta seven XIs, which were fine. You know, you need a motor drive, and uh, three and a half frames a second was was plenty. F- you know, to get that shot. Um, what do you bring with you now? What's your, your setup? How many remote cameras that you set up? And even how do those work? Because those are fantastic, how, how the remote cameras are, even work. Well, right now I'm using Canon Digitals, and I'm mainly using uh, 20Ds and uh, 40Ds. And I have a couple 10Ds that I could use, but I haven't used them lately because I have enough enough no, of the enough 20s, 20s and 40s. But you, it should be and, noted that you're you, – I mean, these things are out in swamps and – overnight sometimes right you have to set them up way in advance yeah when i first started out remotes i was because of i was doing them at vandenberg air force base and vandenberg's weather is very unique it's it's always seems to be really wet there mainly it's foggy in the summer even in the winter but even on clear days condensation you'll go out there and the cameras will be soaking wet so the eye and the lens will be fogged there'll be moisture on the lens so Right off the bat, when I f- first started doing remotes, I had to come up with some way to enclose the cameras. And I looked at some other guys' uh, remotes that they had, and uh, they have doors that open up. So your camera's inside an enclosure, and they have your sound-activated triggers. And in that will be a, will be a connection you know, that you can put to a door, and the door's usually spring-loaded with a solenoid. So when the sound would hit... It sent out the signal to the camera to start firing. The sound from the rocket? From the rocket. And also the sound would open the door. It's spring-loaded, and once it's open, you know, it's open to the elements. And um, it's worked fantastic. And people, So simple. You know, so simple. <laughs> well, he, he says it, he makes it sound very right. simple. Bill um, is of mechanical mind. He owns uh, a mechanical shop, an engineering a a you know, business shop. machine shop. And when you say solenoids, you're talking to photographers that go, we push a button, it works, boom, boom. But your boxes are a piece of art. I mean, work themselves. Work off solenoids, springs. And have taken many forms. Now, batteries. I tried to explain it back when, and just from what I learned when I was out there with you, is you've got several elements to these re- the remote kits to make it work. Because you have that, that weatherproof housing to protect the right. camera made while out it's of out there. Make, you made them out of plastic because of the salt air. All launch pads are always by the ocean because you launch over the ocean. You don't want to go over land or populated area except in Russia. They have plenty of land, so there's no nobody out there. But So you're by salt air, which everybody knows electronics and salt Great air for cameras. is the worst. So you make the box and make most of the stuff out of plastic, you know. Because of the salt air corrosion. And somehow metal. you've got to open the door. So you, obviously the camera has a right. clear shot. But the electronics that are involved, and, and we'll, we'll spend a minute on this. We want to keep going. But I think it's real interesting is you've got a digital timer. 
that you pre-program with all the launch times, the launch windows, right? which there can be several of. Right. And that the purpose of that is to wake the camera up out of its sleep mode at those different times, right? Well, years ago, the the timers were made that way because the cameras took a while to wake up. Because like you had to leave them on. You had to leave them turned on. Right. You could let them go into sleep mode, but some of these rockets are so fast that by the time the camera would actually wake up and start shooting, it would it's be gone. out of the frame. So when the 20 came out from the 10, the wake-up changed completely. It woke up right away, and now all the newer cameras, there's no really lag. They can go into sleep mode, and they can wake up pretty quick and shoot and catch catch the images. So do you not need the but, timers anymore? Well, you still need the tires, but you don't need to wake the cameras up. Okay. The cameras can actually stay in sleep mode until the launch, the sound from the the engine and then, triggers it. Then once the camera's awake, they and, just start it, firing. and like you said, the sound from the engines, you have another sensor that has a microphone in it that at a certain decibel level will start the camera firing or... Right, the triggers or timers, I you know, we go back and forth, they're triggers, there's timers, you know. You kind of be careful when you go through, through the TSA, airport, right? Yeah. And you don't want to say trigger. <laughs> you, you just want to say, well, they're time, sound-activated timers. But in that same circuit, is a, in the circuit of the timer, is, you know, one that goes to the camera, which you'll, you know, use a connector f- for your just remote like cord. remote trigger right. cord. Right, so it's like a remote trigger. And then there'll be another, you usually have another plug that will be for the door. To open the oh, okay. door. So the spring-loaded right. door. So they're both on the same... Amazing. ...come out of the same circuit board, but they have their own own separate, you know... Now, lines. I'm just curious, Bill. You're describing it, and I've never gone with you. I'd, one of these days, I'd love to go with you on a launch. Most people love to hold that camera, look through it, and see what they're shooting. You're doing this all by luck? And, well, well luck. experience. How experience, many launches has sure. done? But you're right. pre-framing just, your shot. You, you right. know what to anticipate. When you go out and do remotes, and we're still doing what you do. I mean, we're still shooting the launch from the press site, too. We're still watching. I still say, every launch I go to, say, I'm just going to watch this launch, and it never happens. It's always yeah. through a lens, even though I'm spending a little bit more it's time like trying to watch. It's like a wasted view. It's hard. It's like it's, if you're just standing so, there, it's a wasted right. picture. It's so spectacular. See, this is know? a whole new area because most of the sports photographers, basketball, they have remotes set up all over. Uh, football, there are remotes. Even baseball, the one photographer, you go, how did he get that shot? He's got a dozen cameras That's set right. up. Right, like and you'll see on my website, you'll see, I've had people email me and go, how could you get that shot and that shot at the same time? Well, it's because they're remote cameras. So you basically want to cover the area around the pad. You know, you want different angles because anything can happen. The weather plays a big factor in the plume and the smoke that comes out of the engines can you know go in front of the the rocket before it even lifts off and you lose that shot so you do you do plan it where you put cameras in different locations to get a different different shot so that's cool i i just it was an experience i'll never forget and i really thank you and gene for for kind of holding my hand out there but i remember going to retrieve the equipment in the dark after yeah. the launch we had one one because you're knee deep in these swamps and they're full of alligators so one guy is there with a two by four the other one was with a, shining a flashlight out at the water, just looking for two little white dots anywhere, any eyes. And it was crazy because you call them with a NASA's uh, Marine Patrol or whatever, because uh, there's always these alligators hanging around. Sometimes they'll be laying right there in the grass. Right. Well, it's in a wildlife refuge. The whole Kennedy Space Center is a wildlife refuge. So you can't do anything to the wildlife. You have, you know, it's left alone. 
And um, right, the two by four was to assist in building a shelter for the alligators. <laughs> but I, I've never had too many uh, really really close calls before with alligators. Most of the alligators, when they do see see you, they scurry back into the into the water. I know so, he just right. sent out a picture a couple weeks ago. Oh, that, of it leaping out of the water. What was it doing? That was, well, that was that was from Gatorland. I put oh, that in the email. Unbelievable. We had a couple hours. Uh, you faked us out the day before we left, and it was it was kind of funny because we never I never realized that Gatorland was about twenty minutes from the, my friend's house in Orlando that we go to and where everything's kind of stored there, and we get it together there at the house. So we had a few hours. So I was, let's go to Gatorland, and I. You know, got the directions, and uh, so we cool. went over there for a couple okay. hours, and and I actually went there, and I think it was 1970, with my mom and my uncle and grandma, my my uh, back grandma, when they weren't prehistoric, there. right? When Disney, <laughs> when Disney was just a thought, when we knew the area they were going to build Disney. Yeah. Now it's oh, wow. just amazing there, but so that shot was taken okay. from, and there's a couple of they're just great. I mean, it was a really neat to go there and just hundreds and hundreds of alligators. Cool. And Another there. place to go to take pictures. Right now, so. the question everybody is asking right now—I know I can hear it in their in their minds—is how do you get there? How do you get in to take these pictures? Now, you're just not a guy off the street going to do this. You're doing it. Uh, it's an assignment for you from a magazine. This, right. this is more than an, a hobby for right. you, right? Right. It's an assignment, and it's you have to be part of the news media, and you can actually go on the Kennedy Space Center website homepage. And they actually have links to media and the requirements and what they require to get badged for a launch. And people can see your work in it's Aviation Week magazine that you do yeah, a lot of work for. It's Aviation Week in Space Technology. I've been shooting for that magazine since uh, 1986. How many covers? First. I don't know. That's on my website. There, oh, if you go to your website. Covers. Now, well, I, I know. think that's about eight or nine with Aviation Week and... Uh, for all of our fire photographer friends, Bill has had numerous covers of Firehouse Magazine, Fire Engineering. Yep. And, and you can go to his website to see those, those too. We'll, right we'll there. put a link. Uh, there they back are. Back Western Fire Journal, when it was uh, in publication, yes. he had numerous covers. So Look at all those. these covers. Go to Bill's website. You can see his pictures. American Fire Journal, Grapevine, yeah. Firehouse, Straight Streams. You've been around, man. <laughs> yeah. Even who knew? I, been, I should have checked out your website before. I'd know a little more about you. You know, and also you, you and I are just happen to be wearing today CFPA shirts. Bill was one of the founding fathers of California. He was, he was one of the four. Yep, mm-hmm. one of the four guys, including yourself, Ross, that were standing in front of a fire, going, "There's got to be a way to let each other know about um, this stuff." Fire on chestnut, right? That's right. Yeah. We know it like it was yesterday. Yeah, that's he has that a day. unit number four hundred three. But that's a common thread among all of us: is you remember the stories. You can remember almost every mm-hmm. fire. Can't you can wait. remember them all. But uh, you you know the the aviation the you do the the rocket launches it's incredible stuff and everybody should definitely go to your website to check that out. Um, it, it, I would say it's something not everybody can do, but it, in a like Kennedy Space Center, you can take pictures, pretty good ones, just from the area, right, from the perimeter and and oh, from yes. neighboring towns. I mean, you oh, can yes. see it for miles. And some of the best stuff is too is is not even on the on the Kennedy Space Center like the streak shots, like streak and... shots for night launches, and and you can do some great. It's one of the the neatest shots I saw was taken in uh, Daytona Beach with the harbor, and the shuttle usually when it goes to the space station climbs up the coast, off the coast, but up the coast, and from Daytona is about fifty miles to the north. And just the way the clouds were at night, because it lights up like daytime, so it lights clouds up. It was just a, a gorgeous shot with the harbor and the sailboats 
and stuff. So they're, they're definitely mornings. environmental shots. Oh, so you sure. can just incorporate the launch into. And you know, our other photographer friend Gene Blevins just he hounds me every launch that he sees the cruise ships in because Cape Canaveral is a is a a port for cruise ships for Disney. Disney's main one, right? And, yeah, and some others, and and that's only a few miles from a one of the launch pads for the Deltas, and then probably about seven miles from the shuttle um, shuttle launch pad. So every time he sees a crew, oh, that would be a great shot at night with a cruise, with a streak shot going over the, over the He's an idea, ship. man. But most oh. of the cruise ships aren't in. I mean, they come in in the morning. They're gone when they're gone. The right. So I said, hey, check their schedule and see. But for anybody that just wants to visit Kennedy Space Center, there's oh, a great visitor center and museum. It's, and I think it's the most popular uh, next to the Smithsonian. It was great. I um, met Buzz yeah. Aldrin there. Yeah. We I got an autographed Buzz. picture. But, yeah, they have the tour. And, and it goes back to the Apollo days with landing on the moon. And it's just awesome. You take the bus and you go out to the by the pads and things. And, and you just see all the old old stuff. It's amazing. And to see those the old Mercury capsule Alan yeah. Shepard, you people just would not realize how actually small that capsule is. It's now, it's just amazing. Now you and Gene got a lot of notoriety or attention a little while back. Would you mind sharing your experience with the the Columbia with us? I know it's not a a happy happy memory for no. you, but it's a significant one, I think. No, I mean launches are really incredible, but uh I was talking to other photographers and some of the people who live at Johnson Space Center, uh about re-entries. Now, when the shuttle comes back and re-enters the Earth's atmosphere at night, if you're in that heating where it, it's entering the atmosphere, it creates a trail, plasma trail. It's, it glows like a pink hot because it's like 3,000 degrees. And it creates, it ionizes the air, creates a plasma around the shuttle. And it actually leaves a trail behind it as it's going 17,000 miles an hour across the sky. And that trail actually stays in the sky for like three, four minutes. It's really something to see. And they're only about, I think they're 200, about 250,000 feet up. So they're not real high. But to see something going across that sky with people in it, you know. That's cool. It's pretty amazing. So there's, um, most of us don't live under the ground track for a reentry. But some of these uh, missions that they did, they would go in an inclination, say, 39 degrees, which means it peaks out at a latitude of 39 degrees. And so that would bring it over just over northern San Francisco if it's going to reenter and go to Florida during the nighttime. So I, I saw one one time before, and it was just amazing. It just hears this ball of fire comes over. It's like a meteor in slow motion that right. leaves its trail. And you can predict, too. You know where exactly where right. it's going. Right, if they're going to land, right. you know, and weather doesn't delay the landing one orbit, or and you need to be really in the night. So when Columbia was in one of those orbits, it was a research mission, and it was in that 39, and it was going to land, at least the first landing opportunity would put it in dark over, over California, and then it would be landing in the morning in Florida. So we went ahead and, and planned to do this mission, I actually went to the launch and and shot that. And it was one of the most, you know, it's hard to say because almost all of them are awesome. Right. But this one just was special. It was just the, the and they're on my website, the lighting, because every launch is different, usually because they don't launch at the same time. And the weather plays a big factor, you know, the time of year and the sun angle, all that. So 
Um, I actually went to the launch and it was a, I think, 16 day mission. And I actually, when I came home after the launch, I actually got up every morning and watched it go over Southern California. It's like a star, you know, the sun's shining on it, but we're in darkness. So it looks like a star going across the sky. So when we decided that we were going to do the reentry, we were trying to figure out where to go. I mean, we knew it was coming over around San Francisco and then heading Southeast towards Florida. So, uh, we came up with, we want to be up towards Bishop up north there. And I thought about Mammoth, went to Mammoth once before for a reentry, and it was right at sunrise and it kind of got washed out in the sunrise, but there wasn't anything up there. But I thought about the, there's a, our observatory radio dishes outside mm-hmm. of Big Pine, have the big antennas. And right. anybody that's if, seen your images from you, this, you remember right. the dishes. And right. And if shot. you saw the movie Contact and um, Arrival with a... Uh, those movies, they use those dishes, and some of it was shot there. So we thought we need something in the foreground. Now, Gene was the one that said, you know, I would probably just set up with a pine tree or something. Gene, we need something really cool. I think because of his news background, right. foreground, you want to get something to establish right. Right. where you are. Now, you guys went up there to shoot the shuttle going overhead. Right. and it was your- a lot of planning. I mean, we actually, I actually had Gene, we actually went online. We Well, he called a friend that the motorcycle rides up there you know in the mountains and stuff and he knew the name of the place so we actually called it it's actually run by caltech down here in pasadena and um so gene called there and found out who was the program manager and we actually got a hold of him told him what we wanted to do and the reentry was uh about six o'clock in the morning i think it was or five o'clock our time and uh we got permission and we said we'd come up the night before and and stake it out and and the ground track's available, and the charts, and, and one of the uh, a space buff actually printed out the altitude and the ground track, so and the timing of it, so we knew how high in the sky it would be mm-hmm. from that location. So a lot, a lot of planning went into it. We actually got up there the night before and spent hours out there with all the, because there's all different dishes, and what would be the right angle with this dish, and which way the dishes were facing would would play a factor in it. So it was quite a bit of planning that went into that. And then the actual reentry. So the actual, then we stayed up there and then the next morning, see now, now you have to hope that the weather's good in Florida Mm -hmm. and they land on that first opportunity because if they would have delayed one orbit, which they did on this last shuttle landing a couple of weeks ago, the sun would be up and the, and the ground track would even be different and the shot would be gone. The other thing is they could wave off and come to to Edwards, and we could never make it to Edwards in time. It was about a two, two and a half hour drive. Yeah, you'd try. The, you'd right, try though. Right, <laughs> you you'd try, but you could never make it there in time for the. What, for what the, was your first indication with Gene up there that something was wrong? Um, well, to get back to the to the setup, we actually it was twenty eight degrees when we got there that morning, and we were actually driving to the spot when I. Uh, I could call on the phone and you could actually listen to NASA audio over the phone. And um, they were fighting a couple issues actually on the landing. This One was their, fog their, their radio, in Florida. Their radio traffic? Right, their, their NASA's radio. And I, I, we actually went online that morning before we left the hotel and they were, they were looking at fog and they were looking at winds. Uh, believe it or not, upper level winds can play a factor in actually the shuttle landing too. So 
we didn't know if they were actually going to come, but we had to leave to get set up. So we actually were on our way on the road when I was listening into the NASA audio and the the fog, you know, burned off as the sun came up and the winds, I guess they can program different parameters into the shuttle and, and they can compensate for the, the wind directions and stuff. So they actually gave a go as we were driving up to the site to set up and, um, and then we knew, okay, we Here have we, go. we have an hour or so, okay. and, you know. And of course, at 28 degrees, it's pretty cold. So you're trying to set up your cameras, equipment, and you know. And we had, I think, I had three cameras set up, and and Gene, I think, had three too. And um, and you're just time goes by so fast, as people probably under know. You, you know, I could yeah, use when, especially hour. when you can't feel your fingers, right? And, when your fingers are numb yeah. and. and you're like, okay, it's going to come from this direction, and you, you know, you're trying to focus, and it's at night, and you've got these dishes, and a funny thing about it is they, the, they, the girl that was in the, the command center for all these dishes, we talked to her the night before. We go, okay, at this time, at at five oh one, are the dishes going to be moving at all? And she's hmm. like, no, no. Well, believe it or not, the second that shuttle came over the horizon, the dishes, the six dishes, all start moving. Oh, and we're like something oh, I wouldn't no. even have thought about. Right. And so you can actually see it in in mine and Gene's shot better, Gene's the pictures. You can actually see a little movement in oh, the really? dishes. Yeah. And then they stopped. Yeah. And then they stopped and then that yeah, so it was it was good that. But uh I didn't uh actually we didn't know something really happened till after after the shots, after it went over because but, you know, we were busy shooting. And I stopped listening to the audio because I was, you know. Didn't Gene say he he saw some yeah, anomaly? Gene, or? Gene was about probably about six feet over to my right, and it was going from left to right. And um, I actually uh, messed up on one of the cameras. I left my remote cord in my luggage from the launch on one of my cameras. So uh, I was trying to figure that out. And, of course, batteries, too, even though... The one film camera has those lithium batteries. I thought, oh, okay, it'll be good. Of course, 28 degrees. 28 degrees, right. It starts showing low. but Ugh. And it was dark. So one of the things that happened is I had three cameras, so I trigger and lock the remote cord, and you're letting the shuttle go across the image and leave that street. Just a, to- a time exposure. Right, it's a time exposure. Okay. So it's at, And you don't want to turn lights on, so I took my jacket off and decided I'm just going to throw my jacket over the lens when I'm done with the exposure. And so I was busy doing that when Gene goes, Hey Bill, I just saw something come off the shuttle. And, um, I kind of dismissed it because one of the previous reentries I saw was some clouds in the sky. It's shuttle so bright, but when it goes behind clouds or thinner clouds, it dims and brightens, uh, you know, quite a bit. So I thought, well, maybe he just saw it go behind the a cloud mm-hmm. because there was some clouds in the sky, you know? And, um, he goes, no, I, I, I saw something. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I, when I got back into the car, because I left the cameras, I undid it because it was over and the trail was up there. So I got back in the car, started the car, turned the heater on just to get my fingers defrost, uh-huh. you know, back to normal. They were, they were frozen. And I decided, well, I'm going to call in and listen in on the audio. And I dialed in, and then the first thing I heard was they lost um, – communications and tracking of the shuttle over Texas. And then right there, I just, I just knew because something like that needs to go right. 
There's no, oh, we have a little problem and, oh, it'll show up in five minutes. I mean, And, and there's a part of that reentry where they're in blackout, right? They're, they lose communication? Not, no, not, re- not anymore. Not oh, with no. The, not with the communication satellites because the, they're up above and they can basically go through the plasma from above. Most of the plasma is on the bottom. Okay. And in the old days, they had the ground track and that's when you had that blackout. But now they have communications all the way through reentry, which they didn't have before. Now they did lose communications because the shuttle does bank when it reenters, and uh, you know when the stuff was coming off the wing was coming apart, it was creating aluminum particles, and that was interfering with the communications. And that's they did lose communications with it before the shuttle actually did did break up. And you you knew right away that that something. I knew was right wrong. then. I just. Because it wasn't normal. I mean, you had a hundred and and they depend re-entries. on normal. Because a lot of right. people might not understand how much goes into a launch and a and a oh, reentry yeah. and how dangerous, right? And how many elements need to be lined up just right. Oh, yeah. Now back then, were those, was that digital or film? I was doing both. That was my one of the first. I just got a digital camera. That was my first launch. Columbia was with a digital camera, and I learned a lot about digital cameras right well, then because it was overexposed a little bit you don't have your you did you go have your film usually you used to bring it back right and that's that's what we did well after we after you know i got out of the car and told gene you know that my that, fingers i could feel them again yeah <laughs> well i got out and gene looked up to me he said i was white he and i said gene they're gone the shuttle's gone and he looked at me he knew i wasn't kidding and he said i told you i saw something come off the shuttle and um I said, I believe you now. <laughs> now, did, did you guys contact NASA or did NASA no, we find went, you? No, right away we went, we grabbed everything, the digitals. Gene had digital and I had one digital and um, the others were filmed. So we, we wanted to get online and we wanted to look at our images, not on the camera because there were, you know, back then the 20, the, the screens the were like an postage inch. postage stamp, right. yeah. It was so hard. So we, we hurry up and packed up and drove to the command um, building there for all the dishes and we go in there and we're trying to find somebody and we couldn't find anybody we're trying to find a phone line that we could plug in and get online and we couldn't find a phone line even though you know you have all this electronic stuff there it's just amazing all this stuff and you couldn't find a we went in a conference room and we tried to get a phone line and and we couldn't get out and um so we loaded this images on on the laptop and then looked at them on the laptop. Now my digital was a vertical and it's the pictures on my website. Cause I was, I was going for a cover shot. Mm-hmm. That vertical shot. image. Right. Again that right. we've talked so about. it only had a limited p- part of the shuttle reentry before anything happened. But Gene's horizontal shot actually showed, uh, showed a couple things in it that we looked at and go, look at this, you know, this flash and stuff, which we never noticed. Cause you know, it happened so fast. Right. Now you're and, able to zoom in on the shot. And, right, and, and look at it and say, okay, this isn't, this so you, is something. That so happened. you guys contacted Well, after NASA? that, then then uh, the program manager, uh, we came out of the building. We were trying to figure out what we should do. And um, he pulled up, and he didn't even know. He just said, was that awesome or what? Wasn't that yeah. cool? And I go, yeah, right up to the point they lost the shuttle. He, he didn't know. And he said, what? And I said, yeah, they lost the shuttle. So, and then Gene's asking, do you have a TV? Is there a place we can go to see, you know, the news and, and see what they have on it? And he said, yeah. So I asked him without Gene there before anything. And I said, did you see stuff come off the shuttle? And he said, yeah. 
He goes, I saw a few little pieces right off the bat when it got almost straight overhead. He goes, I just thought that was normal, like tiles coming off or something. Well, that's not really normal. And I said, did you see anything over in the east sky? He said, yeah, I saw this real big piece come off. And so, and I said, how, where? And I got Gene over here and I said, where was it in the sky? And and he said, about there. And Gene says, yep, that's where I saw it too. So now you have two independent people in two different spots seeing, seeing and pieces come off. It turned out you were involved in an historic event. Yeah, from there, yeah. Then tragedy, it, but. Right. And, and then, uh, so it just, I didn't want to call NASA because I figured, you know, they're just. They're busy. You know, they're busy. Right. I How mean, many millions of calls are they going to hear yeah. people calling yeah. and say? And that was the whole purpose on not calling. Even though they said they want people to contact them, you know, thousands of people. And I'm like, okay, let's not bother them right. with that. But ultimately, you ended up providing all of your equipment, all right. your negatives. Now, what was the purpose of NASA wanting to, to look at your actual well, equipment? Back then, they didn't, you know, they started finding debris, but they didn't they didn't have everything they needed. And so... They were relying on observations or images to uh, to see if they could tell what pieces were coming off, so they could find out. Okay, over California, what was coming off the first? Because they and had when? no idea. And really, when was it coming off? Right, right, exactly when. I mean, it was pretty intense. What they, you know, how they went back and uh, and really looked at every second by second where the shuttle was and what happened, you know, and the timeline of, especially like that flash that happened and they called that the number one flash and exactly where it was. And so they wanted to find out, okay, well, what was that flash? Was that something that maybe exploded a tank or, you know, they're trying to reconstruct this entire event. They didn't, you know, they didn't know. And a lot of times in the accidents, and you know, this, the first thing that jumps out is not actually, the cause of what happened, you know, it could be a byproduct of, of something else. So, uh, so they wanted every data piece they could get. And by taking the cameras and the images and stuff, they could, uh, analyze through spectral analyzing, you know, the color or temperature and maybe find out exactly what that, you know, what that was, that that piece was right. that, and that part moment. of needing you, the actual equipment you used right down to i mean the, the lenses right lenses down and to everything the cameras, right. was, so they could see what was an artifact of the camera versus right. what was actually in the image right right and right. The, and you so you sent off voluntarily we should add but right. sent all this stuff off including your well insured negatives right? yeah the negatives and and you never got that stuff back you yeah, got the we, negatives back you never you didn't yeah, get we, the equipment back right right the equipment they kept and they because they basically it bought it because you're right. like, okay, you know, Gene more than me. I mean, that's his livelihood. I mean, that's his work, his camera equipment. Right. And some of the equipment, too, is the Daily News newspaper. Some of another lens. I actually had one of my lenses in a camera shop being repaired. And the guy lent me another lens. And I actually had to call him and say, uh, you're not getting Guess your lens what? back. <laughs> Guess what? You know, and, you know, he was understandable. And, right. uh, but when they wanted the equipment, it's like, well, you know, we'll replace the equipment. That's not a problem. So we just right off the bat, you know, and you said, actually okay. got to up, use there's a chance to upgrade, right? Well, yeah. My first digital camera was the, the D60 Canon D60. And, and I, like I said, I, I think I got it in December and this was February and it was already, you know, they already came out. It's with already the, obsolete. The 10, yeah. yeah. And the one D so it was uh, obsolete. So it's like, okay, well. 
You know, I don't want to go back and buy something that obsolete. And you, so. you the, as a result of this, because you did have the launch and you had photos of the of the crew and your normal launch coverage, you created quite a display of images dedicated to to the crew that had now been lost. Well, what you yeah. mean when you say display? He made a framed, a huge, yeah, collage, collage very nicely done, uh, matted and everything with photos from the launch and all that, and and you were able to provide those to. Uh, is it the the family's got photos, or there was a, a fun there were funds set up that you can. Well, I was trying to, to trying to create this thing and actually sell it to have some funds go to the astronauts, and um, it it was it got more difficult. It was a lot of work because I had to go through you know public affairs, and uh, and each one of the astronaut families had to give permission for me to do this, and it it was it. It just didn't pan out. It, it took months and months to do, and um, you know, like some of the families, the the one of the astronauts from Israel. So you know, they had to communicate with their family in Israel, and a um, lot of logistics right. involved that you probably weren't and, expecting. And talking to the the public affairs guys that have to handle this, I mean, they had a lot of people want to do good, you know you know, make stuff for them. And, and I can understand it just kind of got mixed in with all that. And it just went on for so long that I put so much time and effort into it. Oh, you did. And expense. It was a beautiful job you did. I tried, you know, I had a book too with it or a pamphlet, not a pamphlet. It was actually, I think 50 page, you know, book that about the mission, about each astronaut and all that. And it was a lot of work. And, uh, like I said, I was waiting for response, response, and and like I said, I without every every one of their their blessing to do, I wasn't going to do it. I said that up front, and it just took too long, so I just kind of put it put it aside. And you know, the the commander's wife has one of the collages. Another one of them have a collage. There's one at Kennedy Space Center, and um, I will say. You know, uh, Bill has one in his office, or you did. I don't know if you yeah. still do, but I remember looking at it and the time, and to realize that Bill and Gene were there and witnessed this. Not only the crew when they come onto the, you know, go out to the uh, space shuttle, but then this whole story on this board. You did a fantastic, right. very job. well done. And the story about the 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 whole ordeal was is was in that in that book from, you know, really technical. I mean, minute by minute on what we went through to, you know, how many you know. times Craig, do we say on our podcast here that we're covering, we're, we're making, if there's history, we're recording it. Right. And literally, whether we know it or not. Exact. Well, in this case, yep. a split second was recorded by these two, you know, Gene and, right. and, and Bill. The, but the effort that went into creating that opportunity too a lot uh, of homework is commendable here. and if you go to bill's website which we'll put a link to in the show notes uh, he's got a nice tribute to that that very flight uh on his website among other wonderful aviation aerospace and fire photography now we're going to jump cut a little bit i appreciate you sharing that story with mm-hmm. us that's uh One I, I remember the first time i heard forget. it and every time i've heard it since then it's a it's quite a story um but uh, the fire photography, you you have been shooting fires just as long as you've been shooting aviation and mm-hmm. and aerospace. How did that all get started? Like I said, that had, that got just about before high school. In fact, I remember as a kid, I think we all did, when you used to see smoke and loom-ups, you would ride your bike. Looms up. Yeah, to it. But I, one f- funny story is I lived in Buena Vista Street in Burbank. And Buena Vista Street, what, is about five miles long? Mm-hmm. And... uh 
I remember one day in the ends right across Disney. the street, seeing the smoke down Buena Vista, and I'm at the north end, so the south end's about five miles away. And let's go. So we started riding our bikes, and you know the smoke just looked like it was a couple blocks away. <laughs> And the next thing you know, we're about two miles away, and you know, then you can see like helicopters around it, and you're like, "Well, can't still can't be that far," and it ended up being Universal. I think back what year was it? it had to be? Oh, the first uh, the first one was was it sixty something or yeah. early seven? Had to be six. No, it had to be sixty something. Mm. Now you're dating and yourself. I'm like, we weren't even halfway there, and it was like two hours. You know, Still like, pedaling. Right. I'm like, we ain't going to make this fire. And I didn't know how that was that far away, but they always look. It's still that way. It. Yeah, it's still that way. I just went to one yesterday that was that way. And uh, so, that, you know, I, that's how I got into it. And then when I got my first camera and um, just started chasing fires. Now, you, know? you, you said you were one of the original four that started the California Fire Photographers Association. It was you. It was Ross Benson. It was uh, Al Simmons and Kenji Luster. That's right. And mm-hmm. we're, we're still waiting to get Al on the show. He's he's going to be on the show here soon. We're going to try and get him on. But you guys were at a fire and decided there's got to be a better way to find out about these things. Well, I think what what happened was uh, my first real big fire was the first interstate building downtown. I just got a new scanner. I bought a, a I remember base that unit, and yeah, and yeah. I wanted UHF, which is the military. I wanted a scanner that had the because I'd go out to Edwards and and everything and and you couldn't hear anything because they're on UHF which is in the two thirties, two forties military yeah yeah fair. so this was one of the first scanners that actually had you know UHF aircraft for uh, military so I actually bought that and I was actually home in Burbank when that fire got the heard that fire come out and uh, got in the car and drove down there and just happened just came in from the rear. Parked like a block away. I mean, got out of the car, and here's this big high rise on fire. So, and that shot he's talking about is on his webpage. Yeah, that's was, on my. Uh, it was a cover. Yeah, that's a classic shot. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So, how that happened was uh, a guy went to high high uh, elementary school. Kevin Parks is a Burbank firefighter. I was dating his wife's sister at the time. So he saw. Okay, he's kind of young to be married, wasn't he? No, this was in high school. 89? Oh no, this oh, is many no. years later. Okay. Yeah, this is many right. years later. He's this not on the bike anymore. No, I'm driving. He's, a car. Oh, he's still not pedaling toward no, Universal. Driving, okay, no, this was downtown. All right, we're it moving. Would take we've me moved ahead. There. So I stopped by and showed him the pictures. He goes, "Oh, you got to show him to this this firefighter, Al Simmons. He writes and takes pictures for the fire magazines." So I went by the station, show him. He goes, "Oh, you got to send these in, and you know." Boom, it was a cover of Fire Engineering. First and, shot, first first time. Yeah, this was one of the first, you know. So was, yeah, that's the first publication. Yeah, it was a cover. And then you got the bug. And I go, oh, I'm great at this. So. <laughs> <laughs> and money. I'm good. Look at it. Check look me at, out. And I can get paid. And it paid for my new scanner. So, And so Al at this, I say, hey, we should go fire buffing and stuff down. And I'm like, what? What's that? And he goes, well, you ride around and. He catches of course, stuff. Al had been doing it for 20 right, years. Right, Al's been doing it. And, uh, in fact, one of the kids I went to high school with, too, was a uh, Burbank firefighter, Burbank paramedic. And um, his brother was a county firefighter, and he he used to go out and do the same thing. And um, so he, I talked to him about it, and he works for the L.A. County, and he was part of the magazine uh, Straight Streams. He would write articles That's for L- uh, L.A. County Fire Department, their union 
magazine. It's not an, a department magazine. Right, it's not magazine. a department magazine. So he's saying, yeah, we need pictures and, you know, shoot pictures and, you know. So that's how it all kind of started. And then Al said, we should go back east. You want to see some good fires? We'll go back to New York for a week or so. So went back there, and then that's when the radio system, they have a radio system mm-hmm. back. And he goes, I go, well, that's what we need out here, too. So that's kind of was in the back of our minds when we met Yeah, we've uh, talked Ross about and, that before on the show, is the radio systems, the organizations back east, especially in New England and New York and New Jersey, have been very organized for a long time. And we kind of inherit, we kind of picked up on that right? Uh, probably 10, well, 15, probably 15 years ago now, or maybe going on 20, I imagine, huh? Yeah, probably twenty. Yeah. yeah, but it 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 took a while took a while to get out here. But, uh, well, like everything, you know, quite a bit of those uh, buffing out here wasn't yeah. a thing. You know, there was uh, Box Fifteen Club, and that was about it. And now uh, buffing, you know, if you said to, in fact, I remember Burbank Fire Chief Jack Nair once saying, somebody said, "Is this guy a you know arsonist, or does he just go to all your fires?" He says, "He's a fire buff." And nobody heard the term fire right. buff back right. then. We're sparky. Yeah. Yeah. All that. But now you've been involved with the LA County Fire Department, their volunteer mm-hmm. photo unit for how long now? Quite a, quite a bit of time? Yeah, that same time. That's where uh, Dave Yonan, who's a fire he's the one that got me in. He says, hey, we, we do have IDs and some guys have them. And you should, you know, I talked to the chief and, you know, we should start something with the county. Well, that's when it started? Yeah. So you helped there, start that too. Well, I didn't help start. It was already started, but I was okay. just one of you know, here's another person, you know, to oh, tell okay. the chief, you know, a guy that's turning in photos to the magazine and helping the department out and you know, he can re- do, do help us out. Can help sell it right. to the department. And so that's how it just kind of snowballed, I think from there. Now, I notice you're still even now wearing your sash. Um, but how how long ago was it you were uh, volunteer of the year? For the uh, for the county, that was a, a couple years ago. Nice sash, no. by the way. I didn't know they gave out sashes for that. No. So, <laughs> but congratulations but that on that. That yeah, that, yeah, that, that was, was great. Honor. And, and um, yeah, if you go to the county Los Angeles County Fire Department's webpage, I believe there's still a picture um, from when he was honored. Uh, how many hours? I mean, countless, numerous hours. Bill put in brush fires, PR events. Uh, so forth. If county needed a picture and they, their department photographer was busy, Bill would shoot it. And he put in uh, numerous hours and he was recognized by all the uh, the supervisors at a very mm-hmm. large luncheon and they add up all those hours. And there are a lot yeah. of Bill's pictures around headquarters yeah. at the county What's fire department. Is, all yeah, the pictures that they tell you not to get close enough to take. Right. That was I mean, <laughs> that they that, put all over their walls. That f- county headquarters building is quite old now. It's built uh, seismic. It's on uh, right. rockers, the, rockers the, and uh, cushions, you know. The communications. Right, the right communications. And headquarters, my however. My pictures went up in there. and I'm control. Yeah. CNC. In the, in the entryway there are, you know, like 20 by 30s of my shots. And um, so that was, you know, it was an honor that mm-hmm. that brand new building had my shots. And it's funny, it's just a month ago, one of the guys I play hockey with is a county uh, firefighter. He works on the rigs and um, actually went in the headquarters and he came up to me at when I had a game once and because I didn't know those were your pictures inside the <laughs> thing. So, and those pictures, what, 15, 20 years probably? Oh, yeah. that they, and they and, blew them up. And Bill's not exaggerating. Four, five feet by yeah. six feet. They're huge. Wow. One of those shots I remember, and he had quite a bit of brush. You have a tractor, a, a dozer, doing it, cutting a line. And the fire just rolling over yeah, this tractor. I remember that. It was coming down the hill, right? Yep. And everybody mm-hmm. goes, how the heck did that photographer get that? Yeah. Well, this is the guy 
that got that. He built First this. of all, you're in trouble for getting close enough to that fire to take the picture, but we'd love to have it really big on our wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's how it kind of got started with the county, and it's still, to have somebody just a month ago come up and say, right. oh, I didn't know those were your pictures, and you know, they actually went up and looked and, you know, how many people look at the names? That's, that's funny, because I just got a call last week, 19 years ago, my baby rescue shot, mm-hmm. and I was contacted by uh, somebody out of San Francisco some Japan company is now doing a story on it. Nineteen years now, mm-hmm. and they wanted some wanted some rights for the shot that I shot nineteen years ago. Did I ever think, you know, when you shoot it, you never wouldn't know. you love to have a conversation with the baby? Oh, now you could. Where are they now? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that'd be a great story. Well, just to get Perlman, you two together. Well, Ron Perman, who's a Burbank farmer, he works in prevention. I talked to him the other day, and I said twenty years ago. He said, "No, just 19. <laughs> yeah, don't cheat yourself. Well, that's, I think, goes back to a point that you never know down the road how significant a photo will be, like the space shuttle. I mean, the space shuttle program is going to end in a year or two, and there's only eight eight or nine launches left. Once it's over, it's over. There'll never be another vehicle like that in my lifetime. You know, it just costs too much money. And Keep an eye out on eBay. Might be able to pick up. One of the uh, one of the three that'll be selling that'd off. That'd be nice. So you you never know, you know, what you shoot down the road. And what could be significant? Well, that's right. You know, every time you press the button, um, there's, there's questions we ask everybody that joins us on the show here. But you're you're a Canon guy. What's your standard setup for for uh, shooting fires? Do you, you lean first of all? Do you lean more toward wildfire, more toward structure fire, anything that comes up? But what's your, your what equipment do you roll with? Well, I use the Canon now, digitals, and I'm. My main camera is a 50, 50D. Oh, you got a 50D? And then I have a few 40Ds and a few 20Ds and a few 10Ds. So, uh, a couple of main... which have been mine. Right. I bought, <laughs> I bought one of your cameras, which messed up on the one launch and didn't get anything. Um, well, you put it too close. It melted. I, it was my fault for not checking his settings he had set, but he did not have it go into sleep mode and... And in the heat That's of my fault, in the heat of setting up for a launch, uh, <laughs> the camera never went into sleep mode, and the batteries were dead by the so time. So I think it was a, it was a battery problem, right. not a camera no, problem. It was. It was <laughs> I checked it. It wasn't. How dare you, sir? But uh, it's come through since, and with flying colors. Um, so that's you know I've I've thought about going up you know to like the um, the one D. Or, and and you know the big professional which yeah. I did have years ago, but in the rocket business and what I do, it's like would you rather have that one camera, or have three have or four? Three or four. And the same with remotes. the fires. And that's why that's why I stuck with the forties and the in the fifty. I mean I do upgrade, but right. I don't need to go up to that high end because there's lenses I rather get. And it is a harsh environment for rocket launches. There's a lot of vibration. And fires. It's the same reason I don't buy a 1D Mark II, because right. I'm not going to take it to a fire. I'm not going to take it to a launch. But I think one thing that's disappointing over the years when we first started was, Ross, is the lenses. Uh, you know, we used to be steel. And you could have that lens for years and never have to send it in to be calibrated. And now with these new lenses, they're in plastic. It just seems, you know, if you're bumping it and you're in rocket launches that you have to check the sharpness of these lenses often mm-hmm. and it seems more and more often you need to send it in because one side will be a little softer than the other and that's the one thing that's it's kind of disappointing now i'm curious it. when you say 
do you send it directly to the Canon bill, or do you use uh, independent? No, I, I, we send it in. I send it in the can. In fact, I just had a Sigma lens that I noticed on a launch. And you go back and do a launch; it's a pretty big deal. You want your images to be sharp, right? And when you get them back and you say, "You know what? That looks a little soft. It doesn't kind of look right." And then you do a test on it and find out, yeah, it is soft. It's not, you know, and lenses vary with the f-stops. And I always thought, you know, f8, f11. Everything was usually be a, When you've talked about this thing on the show before, is the sweet spot of a lens. Not anymore. You, there's a couple of D previews. Has uh, some guys that do tests on lenses. And sometimes you find out the sweet spot of a lens is wide open at 2.8. Yeah, well, I'm having the, I'm having the same issue with my 500 that I'm going to have to send off to to Canon. I took it out on a wildlife shoot, and everything's just a little soft. Right. And the and as soon as you notice that, it's like ugh, trash gone. Right. You know, because if you notice it, then anybody else anybody else is and likely the environment to it. that we're pulling cameras. I mean, brush fires and launches. Not everybody goes on launches, but brush fires, quite a few, and accidents. Those cameras get banged they around do. and. Yeah, thrown into back seats and in bags with equipment on them. Now, Tim has been waiting ever so quietly and patiently yes. in the background here. As a Nikon user, we're we're not trying to outnumber you here, so you can still stay in the conversation. Are you seeing a, de- a degradation in quality of the, the way the Nikkor lenses are coming out, a lot more plastic to them, needing to do a lot more maintenance on them, or no? No, I, I would say no, but the but. You know, I, I've I've used fairly high end Nikon gear. The seventeen fifty five was their top of the line uh, DX lens. I've just gone to the twenty four seventy two eight. That's a top of the line uh, full frame lens. So on their top of the lines, I'm not seeing it. And and I have a small lens collection of you know four primary lenses, but they're all the top of the line lenses so the answer is no i'm not seeing it now on the kit lenses Mm -hmm. which i don't use yes when you pick them up and feel them they feel very light how they would hold up i don't know but you certainly feel the difference when you when you when you hold them i i agree with that i have mostly l series lenses of canon which are the pro series and there's a good heft to those they're pretty they're solid Mm -hmm. lenses and you can tell the second you go to like you said tim a kit lens it's like a toy Almost so. Yeah. Um, you know, I tell a lot of people that are buying first-time SLRs. I said, get an SLR that works for you. Invest in good glass. The glass will stay with you forever. You'll upgrade bodies as they come out every other month and all that. But you know, get a good body, a decent body that does what you need it to. But don't go cheap on the glass. Right. Well, two, two, two of my lenses illustrate that point. My eighty to two hundred two eight. And it's a slower motor drive, but that's vintage 1990, 92, and it's still a frontline lens for me. And I've got a 300 F4, which I consider to be one of the finest pieces of glass I've ever used from Nikon. And it's also the same age, early 1990s, and uh, never have either of those lenses been in. And uh, I still shoot with them, what, 12, 15 years after after I got them. Now, Bill, I'm just curious. Do you buy all your lenses new and your gear new, or do you go eBay or Sports Shooter, buy used gear? I know you bought some from Craig. I think we've all bought material. Tim, have you bought anything from Craig yet? Not, not yet, but I look forward to that. He has a couple of things he's putting up on eBay this week. Just I got three you know. auctions on eBay right now. Oh, you now. do? No, yeah. <laughs> Nothing you'll be able to use. But, but no, Bill, I was I've, just curious. I've done it both ways. I bought brand new. Well, usually when I buy the newer and upgrade the you know, like the the fifty, I just bought a new, a new one. But then I've bought, like I said, lenses from Craig, lenses from Gene. 
Well, you, you, know, you trust and, uh, your, your circles, you know, you, right. your, your communities, and, you, you know, it's like going to a sports shooter. You know nobody's going to mess you over on sports shooter because you're all in the same community. I mean, those 20s and 10s I have, even some of the 40s, they just sit there till the next launch. They're basically just remotes for... Oh, there are uh, listeners cringing out there right now going, <laughs> I would love to have a 20 just sitting around. Or, well, and I try to lend them. I've lent lend them bodies out you used to, to start your own little use. rental house and just have blackout dates when there are launches they're not available for uh for rental yeah i should do that but like uh tim was saying <laughs> i mean my lenses though i mean you got to remember a launch is a very extreme environment the space shuttle shakes the ground three and a half miles away and you can feel the compression oh. in your chest that- so you can imagine what it does to a camera and lens that's 2,000 feet away from it. That's what I try to and, impart to people when I tell them about my one launch experience. I said, it's like a freight train rolling at you, and it doesn't stop getting louder. It just right. reduces itself to a to a, a crackle, and it's like getting punched in the chest. It bounces off the building behind you, then right. hits you in the back, and people say, well, how are you so close when you took this picture? I said, well, no, that was... That was on a, a tripod in the in the mud. Well, the press right. side is, but the remote right. cameras, I said, I'd probably be dead if I had been standing that close. So, Bill, I'm just curious. When you take after a launch and you open up your boxes, you know, your your housings and so forth, you literally, do you look for screws that have vibrated out or, or any of that stuff? Or Really, you, just, you look for spiders <laughs> and uh, wild boar, and, alligators. Because it's amazing. Just one day out there, usually they're a day out there, what gets in your, your equipment. You know, there's fire ants out there. So you really got to be careful when you gene. In fact, this last, I think, I don't know if I have it. I did not, I didn't put a picture on there. I should have. Uh, there was a frog in, in Gene's uh, enclosure. Really? Yeah, really? A little frog That's quite that an environment there. out there. I'll but tell you. But you got to, because there's some, you know, brown spiders and oh, I remember I mean, some there's, serious there's spiders. some bad things. So you do have to be careful when you get out there. But usually you're, once it goes, you're so ex- relieved, excited. You open up the back, and you know I have to look and see. I got to hit the camera, get it on, and then just to know it's stuck. And sometimes there's two, three hundred images that it's shot because it's sound, right? And, and then, it'll and fire the, till right. the buffer's full, to, or right, anything. or so till the sound's gone away. And you know you can have three hundred images on your card, but hopefully it's at the end, so you just go forward. And it's almost you know, like a movie. And scroll and you, through it, and as soon as it. I see the image and see that I got something. I'll turn it off, grab <sighs> that card out of the camera, and put it in my pocket. Breathe a sigh of relief. You know, close the door back up, you know, latch it, unplug the batteries. Sometimes I have a fan actually in the in the uh, enclosure to keep the moisture. air, right, to keep it from moisture forming on the lens and stuff. So you have a fan that's circulating. That's what, just double A. So. Just curious. You say throw the gig, uh, the card in your pocket. What gig cards are you using for most of your launches now? Nothing. I have one gigs. I have two gigs. I have four gigs. Okay. You know, you're not going to fill a card right. up with a launch. If you right? fill a card up, then something's wrong. Mm. Something's something happened, and you know it has happened where we probably would have got an image. Not to me very often, but Gene was some of his, his sound triggers are too sensitive, and if it gets real windy, when that timer comes on, it can actually then trigger the camera, and then once the door opens and the wind's blowing, it'll fire off. Uh, you know, till the to the cards full. Well, that's also why you, you work redundancy into the whole system, not right. only to get different angles, but so you come away with something right. with these different remote cameras. Right. That's cool. Very, that's very so cool. interesting. Yeah. It's it's talking to you today, Bill. I just tell you, I know Craig has told me when he went for his launch, he, the sound, the noise, you, you, 
it's something that he has said he'll never forget. Yeah. You know, I tell my, that, I still tell the story of talking to my dad because he worked uh, contract for the government for years and years and, and went to uh, what's now Kennedy Space Center several times when it, in the old days. And I called him on the cell phone uh, while we were waiting for the launch. I go, put on the NASA channel. He goes, why? I said, just put on the NASA channel. And he turned it on, and I was leaning on the countdown timer clock, talking to him on the phone with the live shot on NASA. Yeah. And there I was, leaning on the clock with a shuttle behind me, and just a, a memorable. And it was great to share it with him, too, telling I the bet. old stories and all that. It was it was yeah. just a special experience for me. And, uh, you know, I'll always, uh, always thank you guys for that. Um, in closing, we're going to be doing a whole show on this uh, shortly, but we want to get your, if you have anything just off the top of your head, um, any advice for somebody that's just starting out in, in fire photography, emergency services photography, maybe, you know, a trick of the trade or ways to stay safe or any, any advice you'd land if some, somebody just starting out was coming to you, what would you say to them? Well, I don't find another hobby, I, right? <laughs> I don't, yeah, you have to have a passion for it. I mean, you're not going to get rich at it and you're probably not going to even pay for all your camera gear, but you you just have to want to do it. That's all. And, and then, you know, starting out, you just want to stay kind of back a little bit and survey the whole situation at fires and see if there's other photographers there, kind of how they they handle it. And then, of course, you know, go to the, to the CFPA website and contact some of the members and, and just get to know people and listen to the webcasts. And and that's how you learn. Really, I mean, I learned from really from Al Simmons, who happened to be Did, one of the didn't one we of all? the one of the best and you know first yeah. she scares the hell out of you and i remember laying in the middle of a street with a fire blowing I'd, over the head going oh my god no one i'd rather, rather be in the middle of a brush fire with than and he Simmons. looks over and goes you are right and i couldn't even talk you know <laughs> and, and then the adrenaline's going and then you're kind of hooked and you're like yeah now simmons is- if you ha- if, if for those few who don't know who he is he's a retired burbank fire captain but has been uh, is, does Al Simmons videos? What does he call his, his video company? Fire, Firestorm? Firestorm, Firestorm videos. Firestorm. He's got a very big web presence. You can actually buy a lot of his videos in a lot of the the uh, fire safety fire equipment catalogs. Uh, but very well known for that. Quite but a few departments use his stuff for training. Absolutely, because they are. Al is right on the line. I mean, he's been a fireman. He's taught. He knows uh, wind and and firestorm activity. And if you're going to be in a situation mm-hmm. that's somebody you want to be with, he'll be on yeah. soon. He will. We're going to get him on soon. I've already talked to him. He wants to be on, so we're just going to get a schedule lined up and have him on. Well, thanks, Bill. This was uh, it was great to have you. Um, we want you back. We want you back. We'll yeah, get you're you. now part of the uh, FAP crew. The we, crew. We uh, you're in studio as we call it, uh, fireground well, uh, base camp. Base camp. For, yeah, whatever. It's, I could but, say something every different day. But you're a local week. guy, you know, and uh, we have listeners. We've gotten emails from all over. Oh, I know. I listen to the show. I know. I time. saw it. All the time. Cool. Well, we're going to have T-shirts yeah. soon, just so you know. All right. uh, there have been a lot of people asking about T-shirts, and I've ordered the T-shirts. So keep an eye on the firegroundaction.com website. You can actually pre-order them now. There's a segue, huh? And um, I actually get, bought something from off the store. We do. We have the, the gear gloves. store. Oh, you got the, the flight gloves? The flight gloves, because I lost Aren't they great? mine wore out years and years They're, ago, so I bought a new set of flight gloves. That was a gadget I put out several shows ago. It, gives you, it mm-hmm. keeps the dexterity in your fingers. You can operate the controls of the camera, and they're made of Nomex. So if you go to firegroundaction.com, you'll see the gear store, which takes you to uh, suggested items that you might find useful in your day-to-day photography. And I bet if people want to get a hold of Bill, uh, he has some ways. They can. Well, it's his website uh, URL I will uh, put on the show notes because at the moment it's a bit skewed. 
Uh, it's a long one. We're going to get him a donate, domain name here any day now. He's a busy guy. I Daddy, might end up doing it for him. It just him. says I have my hands in so many different you do. things. It's like, and you're running you your know, own business. And, right. So it's I've never really had a one that's popped out at me to, to grab and use. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll get you dialed in. We'll get you dialed in. But, uh, but you can contact me through my website. On the main page is a contact the photographer link. Okay. There's an email. You can send me an email. I'll, I'll put it out there now. It's www.ktbnet slash tilde Bill Miko. It's, it's just Bill Miko, right? Yeah. Okay. And Bill Miko is, well, Miko was the name of your dog. Yeah. I named my dog Miko, which stands for main engine cutoff, which ah. is part of, part of the space program from day one. Billy Blastoff. That's and, that's um, why we love Billy Blastoff. I named my dog that. That's cool. Well, well, we're gonna... and, you know, Bill's a longtime photog, and as if you notice today, he shared stuff, his experiences, and if you had a question about space shuttle or you're into shooting helicopters and planes. And you will, after you go to his Bill's website, you're going to see these images, and you're going to get questions. That, How? <laughs> Where? When? Can I come with you? Can I lug your equipment and all that? But yeah, it, it I've was, had that. It was for going it, to launches. So. Yeah. Well, I did it, but it got me to but a launch, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I carried lots of equipment and fended off wild boar. But uh, poor Ben Cooper, I had to throw him right in the the jaws of a, a charging wild boar to get my camera back out of that swamp. Poor kid. And they're still there. They were there and last he's time. An, he's another talented, talented yeah, guy, too. Yeah, he just too. got hired by the contractor that does the photography for NASA there. They do the public affairs wow. and all the engineering photography. And he's working for them now part-time. He's Good for him. He's having the time of his life. So, so good. Matt Ups to Ben Cooper. Uh, hey, Tim, while we have you here, you've got a cover shot coming up, don't you? Ah, uh, yes. I was going to mention that in another week or so. But uh, the uh, oh, I believe a sneak it's preview. A- a- April edition of Fire Chief Magazine. That uh, it's a training image, and that image is, uh, in Ooh. fact, mine. Shot here at the in Castle Rock of our guys at uh, training facility here. Fantastic. Good for you. We'll keep an eye out for that. But if you are with us on the next show, we'll plug it again. We're always looking to point out uh, the successes of our friends and all that. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Bill, again, thank you so much. You're welcome back Pleasure anytime. Don't want you thank to be you a stranger. Absolutely. Have a jelly bean. It's Easter. <laughs> Happy Easter. Tim, thanks for uh, for being with us. You got anything anything else you want to do uh, to throw in there? No, it's just okay. uh, just fascinating to hear those the stories and uh, uh, again even hearing the stories about the shuttle. It, it's it's all photographic technique and knowing how to shoot that or shooting other dynamic uh, subjects. For instance, I shoot trains is certainly directly applicable to what you do at the fire ground. So Absolutely, great stuff. Great, glad you enjoyed it. You were I know you were listening intently in the background there the entire time as as was I. Um, but a, cu- a couple other updates. Um, if you find anybody out there, if you are surfing the web and you find a news story on the internet that you think might be uh, worthy of us talking about on the show here or of interest to the listeners, we, uh, we're now on Delicious, which is a social uh, bookmarking site. Go to delicious.com. I mentioned it at the beginning, didn't I? Yeah. Delicious.com slash fireground, and you can uh, put URLs up there and links to stories. That's where we got the, the stories uh, for that we talked about at the beginning of this show. So do that, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. Uh, send us emails. We're not getting a lot of emails these days. Maybe uh, we, we need to light a fire, so to speak, under under you again. But we want to hear from you. We want to hear your ideas. We want questions. We want answers. We want uh, any comments you have. That's podcast at firegroundaction.com. The headquarters for the show is www.firegroundaction.com. That'll take you to the videos. It'll take you to... Uh, the the Twitter account it'll take you everywhere, 
You can pre-order your Fireground Action t-shirt. If you go to the blog there, um, you can see what that shirt's going to look like. I've ordered them, so you can pre-order them uh, and get more info there. But send us those emails. Subscribe to the podcast on the page as well. You can subscribe using iTunes. And if you do iTunes, put a review in there for us. You can go to iTunes, the Fireground Action Photography um, podcast page, and you can write a review for us. We'd love to hear what you think out there. Hopefully they're good things. I imagine they put bad reviews up there too. But um, this is uh, episode 33. Uh, so if you want to go to the blog and look for if you're looking for the show notes, look for episode 33. Bill Hartenstein's name yeah, will that's be my hockey number. all over it. Perfect. <laughs> 33. Ah, it was meant to How be. How about that? Kismet. Is that... <laughs> The kismet. I don't well, know. another week's gone, or another couple of weeks. Another two Greg, weeks. They're doing yeah. every other uh, every other week now. But go to the website, see what we have to offer. Join the Flickr discussion and uh, critique group. We got a lot of great conversations going on there. A lot of incredible images being displayed. Timothy Tons, how can folks uh, get a hold of you out there if they want to talk to you? Uh, if you go to uh, perfectmomentphotography.com, that's my uh, generic uh, site for portrait work. It still has one section on some fire photography while I try to find the time to get the new fire site up. But that would be the one to look at. Uh, or railroad-photos.com for my uh, railroad photographs. Great railroad photography out there. You can see we're all just not fire photographers. That's always, right. It's just one part of what we do out there. Ross Benson, how can folks get a hold of you? You know, on Twitter, they can find me fire pictures. Slash Twitter, I believe, dot com. And uh, you can always send me an email at ross at firepictures.com. I'll be glad to uh, reply to you. I know, in fact, I've picked up some uh, new followers this week on Twitter, putting out some stuff. So follow us on Twitter. It's a good way to uh, know what's coming off, going on in the uh, local uh, Burbank area and so forth. Cool. And, Bill, we, we've got you linked up. In the show notes, what, uh, what's an easy email address if somebody wants to shoot you an email? Bill Miko, that's B-I-L-L-M-E-C-O at KTB.net. That's King Tom Boy dot net. Very cool. You probably get just, what am, am I hearing a radio? Tim. Tim. Oh, okay. Tim, are you going to run on a call now? Nah, medical assistant. Oh, okay. <laughs> they can handle it. But uh, yeah, if you want to follow uh, me, I'm twitter.com slash Craig Derling, my website. My online headquarters is craigderling.com, C-R-A-I-G-D-U-R-L-I-N-G. And I have to put a thank you out there to Colleen, who you may know as uh, Leo Laporte's assistant and overall engineer in the Twit Cottage. I uh, recently broke 100 followers on my personal Twitter account, so I put a, a plea out there. I had 99. I said, I'm all, I need one more to 100. And she put a tweet out. She follows me on Twitter. And uh, and she got me way over a hundred, so now I'm I'm well on my way to a hundred thousand. I'm going to use that momentum. So thanks to Colleen. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Digital Kitty. Digital Kitty is her handle on Twitter. So go ahead and sign up on Twitter and follow all of us. And you can follow at Digital Kitty as well. That's Colleen. If you're a Leo Laporte fan, you know who Colleen is. So thanks to Colleen for that bump out there. And that's about it for this episode, everybody. We want you to be safe out on those fire lines, and we will talk to you next time on Fireground Action Photography.